Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hall of Fame because I think this is the uh, I think this is this person's uh, 
I'm not sure. I think we're at six or seven at this point as far as appearances uh, on the Pancakes and Power Slam show. Uh, so this person has uh, a lot of uh, um, investment within the success of the Pancakes and Power Slam show over the past 358 episodes. It'll be seven years in April. And uh, this person has been with us for uh, a few years now. Um, I don't even know. Maybe uh uh, four, maybe three, three, four years, something like that. That uh, he's been affiliated with the uh, Pancakes and Power Slam show. But regardless of the years, this person's been on the show, um, record uh, breaking times. <laughs> uh, and I really, really appreciate uh, him taking his time each and every time to be a part of the uh, to be a part of the show. So uh, I, you know, I've had his buddy. Uh, Sean Navarro on a bunch of times, two, six or seven times, including uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, them, them two in the Hall of Fame, I would say Marty Elias, I've had him on six or seven times. JTG, another uh, six or seven, something like that. So regardless, if whatever Hall of Fame I come up with, which I'm not sure, just like me and JTG talked about a, a few months back, there is a five timers club in the Pancakes and Power in the Pancakes and Power Slam show. This person is indeed in the five timers club. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I can say as many accolades as I can uh, to pump this guy up. He doesn't need any introduction. He is Mr. Anderson. Anderson, how thank are you. you tonight, sir? I'm very good, and thank you for that warm introduction. And um, I think. I was thinking it's got to be at least five times now, but yeah, yeah when you yeah. said six or seven, <laughs> uh, that's a possibility as well. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you thank you for having certainly me. Certainly have made the man. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for uh, for taking your time each time, and um, <clears throat> it's definitely definitely the five timers club. I'm, I'll check and see uh, exactly, but uh, you're, you've definitely made uh, you definitely get your SNL jacket. <laughs> Sweet. Uh uh speaking of SNL, um was that a was that a common show that that uh you you watched uh when you were growing up uh, or were you oh, as yes. a sporadic SNL watcher? Uh what what, what years um, were your what was your golden years of SNL? Oh, my, I mean, I remember watching it with my dad when I was really young. I, I want to say I was like eight or nine years old, and it was um, – he would only let me watch little bits and pieces because it was an adult show and I was such a kid. Um, yeah. But I, I remember specifically Eddie Murphy's Gumby and Mr. <laughs> Robinson's neighbor, Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I remember my dad having a VHS tape. I know it was a beta. I'm sorry because uh, for those of that were around at that time, <laughs> when uh, the two machines came out at the time, uh, when tapes started becoming a big thing, it was VHS and beta. And beta was supposed to be the creme de la creme. It was supposed to be the you know the better of the two, but VHS just happened to be cheaper, so everybody bought, bought VHS, and beta became pretty much obsolete. So all the video stores had a big sale, and I remember my dad bought 
a bunch of movies, and one of them was the best of Jim Belushi, or best of John Belushi from Saturday Night Live, and I used to watch that. Um, I must have watched that a hundred times when I was a kid, as well as Animal House <laughs> and uh, Risky Business and Police Academy and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely I love the show growing up. Mm-hmm. I think Why my golden asking? years. Um, uh, I don't know. Why did I ask? We were talking about us and oh, five times. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it was um, I think it was probably like ninety, like to me, like eighty nine to like ninety seven. I probably watched every single SNL episode, and uh, it was uh, yeah, yeah. Adam Sandler, eighty nine was more of the uh, Mike Myers. um, Oh, um, Wayne's World. Yep, yep, Mike. Yep, yep, Mike. So him and Dana Carvey were real big at the time. Of course, Chris Farley's my all time favorite actor. Eighty nine still had like Kevin Nealon. Um. Uh, yeah. So, like Tim Meadows uh, was was starting to uh, was coming coming up and and starting to become big. Adam Sandler. Um. Yeah. So, and then it started to get into the um, like the early '90s to mid '90s. Mid '90s was real big, like on uh, Will Ferrell, Cheryl Terry, Chris Kattan. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. I'm missing someone. Um. Molly Shannon. Uh, so I yeah, kind of stopped watching was... around that time. Yeah, me too. I loved. <laughs> I wanted to be Dana Carvey when I was in high school. Like I, wanted, uh, that's what I wanted <laughs> to do when I, I would do his impersonations of George Bush and, and stuff like that nice. all the time. You get the uh, what about the Ross Perot? Can I finish? Can I finish? Ross Perot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I used to do I Ross Perot. I remember Dana Carvey doing both Ross Perot and George Bush uh, mm-hmm. during the debates. And then um, what was yeah. his name doing? Bill Clinton. Um, oh, um, oh. Uh, Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. And it's, yep. Just, yep. Just amazing stuff. He, really did, cool. he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Phil Hartman was, he was hilarious too. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, uh, five timers club SNL, great way to start off the, start off the, uh, yeah. the chat tonight. Um, so I don't know then the last time you've been on the show, um, but what have you done since then? I can uh, check and see real quick. Um, well, since then, but what have you, um, what have you like been since then? It's been Academy, Academy, Academy. We've, uh, yeah. we've, con- we've continued to, Run the academy. Um, uh, Davari is no longer with me. We remain great friends, mm-hmm. but um, he moved to Vegas and now he works for WWE again, which is awesome. Yep. Um, and uh, and I'm just continuing to train train new students. And I take independent bookings here and there, but for the most part, it's mostly Monday through Friday. I I run the academy and uh, train new students. So nice. Been really fun and it's been really cool and very rewarding to see some of my uh, students kind of spread their wings. I kicked them out of the nest and learn to fly on their own. And mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of my students have been 
uses extras for WWE when WWE was in town uh, when they were in mm-hmm. Minneapolis and Milwaukee last yeah. uh, just a few months ago in November. Uh, one of my students got a match on 205 Live, and it was interestingly enough, it was against Hideo and Aria, who's also, you know, uh, she spends a lot of time at the academy, one of the original mm-hmm. uh, trainers that we had. So it was cool that he got to be in a segment with him. And uh, and a couple of our students got used as extras for the No Way Jose segment on Raw the night before. One Another one of my students got to work against uh, Cassius Ono for NXT. And another one was used as an extra in the background. So it's been it's been pretty cool. Wow. It's good to see Man, that is students awesome. getting out there. Yeah, Fun. it is. Absolutely. <clears throat> That's awesome, man. Just as a teacher, you know, just looking at that stuff, it's just like, man, you know, it's, I know I just had Sean on the show a few weeks back and, uh, you know, he was talking about how just, you know, <clears throat> just the career trajectory of, of his stuff, um, it, it a lot of times appels in comparison just to see, you know, his, his students success, you know, succeed and, and have time and things like that. And especially his brother, Aria. So, you know, I, I'd imagine that you would share that as well, as far as just, um, you know, seeing your students, you know, uh, just really shine and have television exposure. I'm sure that that, you know, really gives you, uh, uh an indelible sense of gratitude as well and, and, and appreciation. So, it good is. stuff, man. And I um, I like when other people when good things happen to other people. So you know, mm-hmm. especially when it's somebody you know, and you've had a hand in sort of um, you know, I, look, the, these students are getting these opportunities because they're putting themselves out there. But I at least yeah. had a hand in it, and that's kind of rewarding. Yep, certainly. Uh, <clears throat> January 16th, ninth, uh, 2018. That's the last time on the show. So just, uh, uh-huh. uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. <clears throat> We've got some questions. Uh, hashtag ask Ken. We got Francesco, uh, asking what was your reaction when you found out about losing your money in the bank contract to edge? And we've talked about this before. Um, just yeah. as far as you saying that, uh, you know, you find you finding out that, which, you know, an injury that was expected to, what well, was thought about, thought to take months and months and months to recover, ended up being a matter of weeks. And it was just kind of, yeah. you were snubbed, but it wasn't purposely snubbed. But, you know, with, with uh, correct yeah. uh, doctors, uh, you know, with the, with the correct doctor's prognosis, you probably would have been <laughs> world heavyweight champion. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I was almost there. <laughs> Um, yeah. I was, I think, two days away from cashing that in, something like that. Wow. Well, it was wow. the next day. I was actually going to win the win the title from Taker the next day. We had already planned it, and it sort of given me the layout. Um, and then I got that injury. Um, and, you know, it's frustrating, but what do you do? It's just part of life. Things happen, and yep. you got to – make the best and I I I don't uh, harbor any ill will or resentment towards anybody. It's just it's just part of life. Yeah. 
good stuff, man. Uh, it's a good good way to <clears throat> good way to take it um, because it's it's really oh, man, it's 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 really easy to really think about that stuff and you know as a wrestler and <clears throat> but the very fact that you take it that way is uh is respectful. Uh, I mean, it, it is. It's very easy to pour your heart and your soul and your you know spend a good portion of your life trying to accomplish something. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, if I sat and worried about it and fretted over it day in and day out, the only person that's going to be affected by that is me, and mm-hmm. negatively, nobody else cares really. I mean. People might care, like be you know have concern, but at the end of the day, like everybody else has problems too, and, uh, and those problems are you know much smaller than other people in the world. So, you know, first world yeah. problems. First world problems, indeed. <laughs> That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Fernando's asking, you ever think about joining the undisputed era? You seem perfect for it. <laughs> The undisputed era. Uh, um, I don't understand the question. What's the undisputed era? The what undisputed era, the, the NXT stable. Um, oh. Comprising of uh, uh, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong. Uh, um, I haven't really thought about it, but um, I guess it would, it would be a bridge that I would cross if it was ever uh, mm-hmm. presented to me. I don't think I would say no. I mean, I would definitely uh, give it a shot. Yeah. Um, another question is, uh, what's your what was your thought process after that chair shot from the Undertaker? Um, cool chair shot. <laughs> I was glad that it looked good. <laughs> that was that was about it. It really wasn't that bad. It was just, I think the way that he held the chair and it opened up mm-hmm. it wasn't as bad as the. Everybody kind of makes it out to be, but I'm glad it looked that bad because that's really the art of what we do is making things look sick without actually hurting each other. True. To piggyback on that real quick, what are your thoughts on removing and penalizing people for chair shots to the head in the WWE? I'm all for it. I'm all for it. With what we know about concussions, there's just no reason for it. Yeah. yeah, there's no need for it. There's many other ways that we can convey whatever message that sends mm-hmm. um, without actually having to concuss somebody and cause them permanent permanent brain damage. It's just mm-hmm. completely unnecessary. So I'm I'm all for removing it and finding different ways to you know to convey that level of violence. Yeah, certainly. Uh, what wrestler today would you want to have a match with, and what would the stipulation be? Oh boy, um, hmm. I don't know. There's so many. There's so many guys right now that I uh, that I really admire and respect. Um, you know, I'd love to get in the ring with a guy like Seth Rollins or. Uh, you know, I guess I'm, I'm a big fan of his work, and um, even like Roman Reigns, I've been a big fan of Roman Reigns for a while, and I I can never understand the 
the negativity that people had towards him. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I could to a degree, but just the level of negativity that I heard from people uh, was, it just kind of uh, boggled my mind. But I think he's, you know, he seems to, to get it. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. I, I've been a, I've been a Roman Reigns apologist on the show for, uh, for quite some yeah. time, I I, uh, I I agree with you, man. I, you just you know you got somebody who come out there who, um, who grabs the proverbial brass ring, who um, yeah. obviously he looks good. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's the he's the the guy for the for the the morning shows afterwards. You know what I mean? He's he's the yep. he's the ideal guy for that. Um, he's not a troublemaker. Uh, he's not in trouble. He's not an right. embarrassment to the company. He's, exactly. He yep. represents the company well. He's, he's strong yeah. family ped- pedigree. You know, Hall of Famer. Sure. So his, his, his family members and and you know, and you can tell that he uh, he he's he noticeably he noticeably progressed in the ring over the years. And you can tell that. Yeah. You know he he's really serious about honing his craft in the business, and you have so many people who are really good wrestlers: Daniel Bryan, Chris Jericho, AJ Styles. All of them have highly praised uh, Roman Reigns in the ring. So, yeah. um, and I, you know, I, there's I don't something know. to <laughs> there's something to the idea that you know I, I'm not there, but I, you know I've heard that. He sort of when Taker, pretty much, for all intents and purposes, Taker's no longer there. He sort of assumed that role as a locker room leader. That you don't yeah, just n- nobody just hands you that. That is something that you earn in that environment. And uh, I don't think that he would have earned that. There's a reason why he earned it, or there's a reason why he's in that spot. Especially being so young in the business too. Right, exactly. Yeah, and having accomplished, well, you know, if you compare him to Undertaker, he's accomplished nothing, really. True. You know what I mean? Like Taker's yeah. Yeah. thirty years in the business. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. Um, let's see. What uh, Mahmoud is asking? What is it like being TNA? Was it like? Uh, being TNA heavyweight champion, and did you feel like you were ready to hold that belt? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, it's one of those things that I guess you know, at the end of the day, uh, titles are props to a degree, but it's something that everybody strives for, or I think should strive for to to be recognized by the company and by your peers to a, to you know a certain degree that you're able to hold that title and represent the company in a certain way for any length of time is a it's a compliment and um you know I guess that's really all I got to say about that. <laughs> um and I want to piggyback on that too that ugly belt <laughs> the the mm. Jeff Hardy purple belt. Um, I it. We may have talked about I this before, but uh, I loved it. it. I loved it for Jeff. It's, you know, it was really? Jeff's deal. It was, I, mean, it I can was, see it. it. Well, it was, yeah, it, 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 it fit him. It was 
something that he designed. He drew it. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I wanted the TNA title, you know? Yeah. Oh. That was just an, and why did they go along? Why did they like even go further into keeping that belt even for a little bit? What, what was the what was the idea behind that? Because uh, it was such an ugly belt. It just seemed like it should have been the the day that you beat Jeff Ford. They should have given you. They should have given you the uh, the actual TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, I recall them telling me that. It was sort of a, a feather in my cap that I was to look at it as sort of a feather in my cap that I took that title away from Jeff Hardy. That was his title, wow. his baby, and I took it from him. And it was sort of like rubbing it in his face. That, hmm. was, the, that was the logic behind that. Interesting. Which is, you know, reasonable. Yeah, uh, reasonable probably uh, from a from you and Jeff and the bookers, but uh, the the people watching on the other side um, <laughs> probably not as as reasonable. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, there's a couple more questions uh, before uh, before we we close here. I don't want to take too much of your time. I appreciate the time spent already. Um, we got uh, Prince Rana asking, "Will you join AEW?" Um, I, you know, I, I would. I, mean, I think I would. Um, I think I'm really excited to see what what they do, and I don't know, you know, what sort of capacity I'm even able to. I, I can still go. I can still wrestle. However. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got kids, and I really, really want to be there for my kids. So it's kind of hard for me to even consider having a a, a wrestling schedule, you know, normal full time wrestling schedule anymore. Yeah, <clears throat> still a relative newlywed, right? You've been married a couple of years now. Yeah, you know, I'm remarried, um, and I've we just celebrated our one year wedding anniversary. It was January one year. Congratulations. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you. How's it uh how does it feel? I mean, just as far as your, your it's, current it's wife. Amazing and just, and I, uh, to, I I found an amazing woman who supports me in everything that I do and it's just uh it's pretty cool. Yeah, I feel like I married my best friend, you know. I, I hear people say it all the time. Um I feel like I, you know, I can't judge anybody else, but uh, it's definitely not lip service when I say that I was fortunate enough to marry my to marry my best friend. For me, yeah, I'm a I'm a big advocate of that uh, of that philosophy. I'm a huge advocate of that philosophy, actually. Um, so yeah. I, I personally think if you if you marry your best friend, you can. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of arguments that can be prevented. Uh, there's a higher degree of understanding. Um, there's a higher degree of patience. <laughs> uh, there's a higher degree of respect. Um, and you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things that uh, you can joke things off, um, with your best friend that could be offensive. Um, but yeah, if you, marry, yeah, if you, you, you know, if you marry someone who you don't have that 
kinship with, that 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 friendship with, everything can be looked at as a as an attack. And um, you know, yeah. uh, when you when you marry your best friend, you 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 have more of an uh, you you have more of a gauge of uh, I respect you so highly as a friend that I'm not going to feel like I was attacked or attack you. So. Um, you know, yeah. and we like we smart. like a lot of the same things. Um, you know, like we're both huge video game nerds, and oh, I didn't know you were a gamer. I, oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm not like a computer gamer. I don't really play online Call of Duty or anything like that, but or Fortnite or any stuff. But I love you know things like Fallout and um, Tomb Raider <laughs> and. Oh, right now I was just playing. I was just playing uh, uh, Red Dead Redemption Two, and you know stuff like that. I I just we can play for hours, and I'm 42 years old, and you know all my girlfriends growing up to to my ex-wife hated video games, and it was always just like if I wanted to play video games, I had to either sort of you know be in the doghouse. Or I go do it by myself. It was it was never something that I could. And my wife now, like we will sit down for twelve a couple of weeks ago. We bought the new Spyro the Dragon. There's like it's the remastered Spyro the Dragon from. Oh wow! I don't know if you ever played them or not, but um, we sat yeah, and played that. and it got every single achievement um, and you know <laughs> all the coins and all the everything. We got a hundred and. Hundred percent on all three games, and we just sat and played oh, nice. for an entire weekend. You know, stuff like yeah. that. And she, she's my business partner, and she, you know, we have the same philosophy on how to treat people and how to treat the students and what's important to us. And we like the same movies and music and something that uh, you know. In the past, I just sort of had to. There were so many differences, and I just sort of had to, or I felt like I had to just sort of settle and say, well, not everybody's going to, you know, I'm never going to find anybody mm-hmm. that likes exactly mm-hmm. the same things that I do, and and uh, it's not true. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of a lot of people out here to <laughs> to, to have uh, some similarities with. I, I agree, and I think... Uh, I think there should be a, a pretty high standard when it comes to sharing the rest of your life with someone. So totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The interview process should be very stringent. So, <laughs> um, um, all right. A couple more. Let's see. Good question here. Do you remember wrestling? Um, well, I'm sorry. You, you do remember, I guess I should reword. I, I'll say the, I'll say the question <laughs> and then I'll, and then I'll reword okay. the question. The question says, "Do you remember wrestling Eddie Guerrero's last match?" I'm I'm pretty sure the answer is yes. Um, <clears throat> if I can reword it, I will say, um, "How can you know recall wrestling Eddie Guerrero's last match?" Um, it was just uh, I I was just I remember going into it. I was super excited to be wrestling Eddie in the first place, and mm-hmm. the sense of calm that I had going into the match. It was a huge match. Probably the biggest match of my career at that point. And uh, but which normally that would bring this sense of 
what am I going to do? And this, you know, um, I, I guess uh, this idea that I had to live up to this expectation or whatever. And I was so calm about it because Eddie was such a pro that I knew that I didn't yeah. have to worry about anything that he would sort of worst case scenario, he would hold my hand. He would be able to pull me out of it. And I just had to listen to him. And really yeah. that's, you know, that's what happened. And it was, yeah. it was uh, really cool, very fun. And I got to do that, that spot with him, that I just absolutely loved and I was able to recreate it a few years ago when I wrestled uh, Marty Skrull for Ring of Honor. He sort of did a trip mm-hmm. to the, the spot where Eddie throws the chair to me. <laughs> Act like he, like I hit him with the chair. Yeah. 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 <laughs> turns around and sees me with the chair and disqualifies me. That. So, it was awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I just, I'm just so sad that it, it was his last match. Yep. Were there any uh, other times where you were kind of slated to be world champ, uh, or is just the, the the money in the bank time? Yeah, I mean, you know, I was uh, there was ever a time where I was going to be the champ, so to speak. But I know that I was well on my way to working my way up that ladder when I suffered my first injury. I tore my lat, and I had to be out out of action for mm-hmm. eight or nine months. And that sort of, you know, brought everything to a screeching halt. And then when things finally started started back up again and then they were going to put the title on me, then that's when everything came to a screeching halt again because of another injury. So, so. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of plagued my career. But, you know, and I've heard people say, I'm already still listening to these. I would read the dirt sheets and stuff like that. And like, he's injury prone. Like every injury that I ever suffered was, well, except for one, was at the hands of another. You know, so like, mm. I would never, I would never watch somebody get hit in the face with a sledgehammer and say that guy's injury prone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, right. Cool. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, all right, so I'll, I'll close it up with this. Um, so typically, I mean, there, there's a lot of times where people, um, you know, they leave WWE and and um, because of one reason or another, and at least a, a lot of times they come back in some fashion, even if it's for a short time, for an appearance, for something. Um, why didn't WWE and, and Ken Anderson, Ken Kennedy, why didn't they reconcile after you left? Um, I I can't. I don't really. Not that I don't want to answer that question. I just can't answer that question. I don't really. I don't really know. Um, mm. You know, I think part of it had to do with um, my attitude, probably. You know, okay. um, I was very. I would say bitter for a couple of years after I left WWE, mm-hmm. and I said some things that I probably, you know, shouldn't have said. In hindsight, um, but um, you know, I guess I would say if, uh, if if I could point to any one reason, it would be uh, I would point to myself being the problem. Gotcha. Now. now you have admitted on one of my shows before that you uh, there were times where you were a bit tougher to get along with 
backstage. Um, is, do you regret any of that at all, or, or do you? I mean, oh, is it something yeah, that you? Okay. okay. I don't think I was ever hard to get along with backstage. I always, at least I think I did, get along with the boys. It was just, um, yeah, I kind of, I, I grew up, I was always told to, I, I don't remember if my parents taught me this or if it's just something that I came to do on my own, but I was kind of bucked the system and challenged mm-hmm. authority. So, well, somebody tells me to do something, why should I do that? <laughs> you know, like, Gotcha. And I, you know, yeah, and I always felt like I had to speak my mind and everybody had to know what Ken Anderson was thinking at the particular time about a, any given topic. Or, and I was, mm-hmm. you know, in my older years, I, you know, I'm 42, I'm, I don't think I'm that old, but you know, as I've aged, I've, I've just decided that I keep some things to myself. That's not for <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, I can and I should. <laughs> yeah, I think I think with age, if someone really wants to grow mature, I think that's uh, I think that's <laughs> something that a lot yep. of people can uh, can really learn from. A couple of lightning yep. round ones before I let you go here. Um, Vaughn is asking, would you ever wrestle Jake um, the Snake if given the opportunity? Sure, absolutely. Okay, yeah. my mood is asking. Uh, go ahead, Jake Roberts. No, I mean, like I, I still watch Jake Jake matches and Jake promos at the academy with my students. He's mm-hmm. one of the greatest. Absolutely, one hundred percent. One of the best minds in the business. Uh, my mood: um, chewing gum and TNA, and explain why. <laughs> Uh, because it was something that I remember my, you know, I'm supposed to be a heel. I'm supposed to be a bad guy. People are not supposed to like me. And I remember not only my grandmother, but hearing people throughout my life complaining about, wow, look at him. He's chewing his gum. You know, somebody on the street, just look at the way he chomps his gum. So I just, that and the fact that I get cotton mouth when I wrestle and I don't want my breath to stink. When I'm in oh. close proximity with another wrestler, that's why I've always chewed gum. So there's a lot of times where the face-to-face comes along. Uh, was there any – I mean, you don't have to say the wrestler's name in particular, but were there any wrestlers where, like, you did the face-to-face and, like, their breath was just not on point? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say the name, but, yeah, it happened on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh in that same vein, were there were there people who you wrestled who you wrestled that high that the hygiene was not up to par in either WWE or mm. TNA? Not that I can recall. Mm. I've okay. wrestled That's guys good. on the indies. I've got wrestled guys on the independents who I've had to have a discussion with afterwards, like you need to wash really? your butt. You know, like, <laughs> wash your armpits. And it's, we just had a new class start at the academy yesterday. <laughs> we uh, had a new class start at the academy yesterday. And every time, this is now our seventh or eighth class. And every time I have this list of 
things on a whiteboard that I go over. Number one is safety. Number two is ask Anastasia, my wife. <laughs> Number three is uh, don't be a jerk, um, you know, so on and so forth. There's like 20 things on this list. And one of them is hygiene. It's huge to me. It's your, you know, if you're coming from work or you're coming from the gym or wherever, check yourself, sniff your armpits, make sure that you don't stink. Check your breath, brush your teeth if you need to, chew some gum, get some mouthwash, have it on have it on you in the car, have a change yeah. of clothing or whatever. Because at the end of the day we're we're touching each other, we're grabbing each other, we're gonna be rolling around with each other at some point. Yep. And yep. like if I put you in a headlock, I'm putting my armpit right in your face, basically. That's true. So try not to smell like chicken soup. You know? Yeah. Uh, Especially a power bomb. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, hashtag wash your butt for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. All right. So Blaze is asking, what was your better run as Kennedy or Anderson? Big fan. Big fan. By the way, is what Blaze said. Oh, uh, well, thank you very much for that. Um, I don't know. Like you know, it's it's hard to each one had its positives and its negatives. I think you know, Kennedy was a bigger platform and I made more money as Kennedy and I got to experience more things and see more places and things like that. Um, but Anderson, and I felt like I would, I had a lot more creative freedom and was able to sort of put my own yeah. on things, you know, that's the first word I thought about when the Anderson role was freedom. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Gross, uh were you a fan of the Aces and Eights storyline? I was. I was. There were things about it that I wasn't a fan of but that I, you know, didn't necessarily agree with. But uh, like, I, I wish they would have taken more time with some of the storylines. You know, the yeah. instead of just accepting somebody into the group. Biker gangs have like a prospecting. If you want to, if you want to get into a biker gang, you're gonna to have to be a prospect for a year, where they kind of treat you like garbage, and you know, um, you're the young boy basically. And yeah. we never did that. It was like we just thought, this, this person's in the group now, and this person's in the group. Like it was stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think it could have. Yeah. Uh, it could have carried on a little longer than it did, but yep. I really enjoyed it. And then, uh, it was a blast working with all those guys. Yeah, I um, I feel like I've had so many people from Aces and Nates on my show. Yeah, um, you, yeah, you, Knox, D'Lo, um, Briscoe, Bischoff, Eric, um, or Garrett. Both, I've had both. Because it was, show. yeah, Eric. Because it was, it was Garrett's, yeah. uh, it was, or it was Eric's baby. You know, it was his idea. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very, very interesting. Um, the whole Ace and Ace thing. I, like I said, like I agree with you. I think it was, I think it was like too. I think the pedal was pushed a little too heavy, um, which which caused a kind of a bad taste in hindsight but during mm-hmm. the time you know as a fan during, during the time 
it was good. It was you know the masks um, and and just I, I personally as a fan I like reveal angles. I've been watching the wrestling. I've been watching wrestling since the mid eighties. I, I I love reveal angles and um, mm. you know you, you can you can suck me and you can hook me by giving me a good reveal a good one by the way not not like the higher power you know <laughs> right. it was me Austin you know that was <laughs> I was, I was yeah, very disappointed. Right. At that uh, but uh, a good reveal angle will, will get me like you know Midnight Rider, you know Dusty Rhodes, uh, like the Machines back in the day, you know when we knew that they were you know uh, Andre and company, and you know sure. just just some and uh, you know and just some some really good you know some 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 whodunit storylines and 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 just a big reveal at the end. Um, TNA had a couple that were intriguing to me, the Aces and Eights and the 10 10 10. Um, but but neither neither paid off to me to be honest with you like in hindsight what was like the 10, just, 10 10 10. Well, the abyss was kept saying 10 10 10. It was the whole immortal thing. Oh, oh yeah. The, uh, yeah, yeah, when uh, Hardy turned heel and um uh, what Hogan and Bischoff aligned, Jarrett turned that night too. Yeah. It was the bounce glory, yeah. Um, that was the one down in Bischoff Bish- Beach, right? Yeah, and Abyss kept saying 10, 10, 10 for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we were trying to figure out what it was. And uh, Yeah, so um, Rob just said NXT, who attacked Aleister Black, was promising. Yeah, I, that, see, that, that one was a good one too. And the fact that it was uh, uh, Johnny Gargano, was was good. I mean, it was a, it was a heel turn. It was a, it was a turn. It led to a heel turn. Right, you know, right. I, I agree. I, I like I like stuff like that. Just just reveal angles. Uh, we will never know who's behind GTV. Um, but, <laughs> right, right. It was cold, but it, <laughs> yeah, uh, I I've had Russo on my show before, bro. A bunch of uh, two or three times, and uh, we talked about the GTV, I like how you bro. Just said- I like how you just said I've had Russo on my, sh- my show before, bro. <laughs> you got you have to you have to yeah you got you got to right. throw a bro or two in there every time we talk about it Russo. could be a drinking game it could be a drinking game. it should be a drinking game <laughs> however many times Russo says bro uh, yeah Russo did say it was Tom Green was was the person that was supposed to be behind it but uh, Tom yeah. Green. Yeah, Tom Green. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> but I did an interview that... with him at his at his home in the Hollywood Hills one time when I was in WWE. It was right after the Benoit incident. There, because mm-hmm. I remember I was sitting there doing his show. It was like the Tom Green. You know, it was after his MTV run. It was just sort of on the down down slope. But um, mm-hmm. I remember somebody called in and said something it was a live show and they did a call in and said something negative yep. about Benoit. It was like a, you know, they blurted it out and we just hung up and went on to the next call. Yeah. He was yeah. really cool. He was actually a very cool guy. Very nice. Yeah, I heard him last. <clears throat> My mood is saying the Rikishi reveal Rikishi being revealed to the one who hit Austin. Yeah, see I I, I like that one too. because <laughs> Who would have thought it was Rikishi out of anybody? You know what I mean? I did it for The Rock. You know, just... I did it for The no, Rock. No I just saw that promo today when The Rock was making fun of him. 
Yes. Yeah. And he was he did a bunch of people too. Like he that was the promo where he like made fun of like a, a bunch of Bigger others. I think it was and... yeah, I think it was the one before the Armageddon Hell in a Cell because it was like a bunch of people yeah, was, at once. He was. It was going to be six uh, guys in the ring. It was Austin. Yeah. Uh, Taker. Um, Rikishi was in there. Yeah, Rikishi. Angle. Yeah, I'm going to drink a big yeah. glass of milk, and then I'm going to have some food, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that, see, that was, I like that one, and it was another, someone else was saying, another reveal angle um, that I, that uh, I just thought of one that I, I, I don't know. Mr. Remember. America. Uh, <laughs> that, one, that one was uh yeah that one was a bit cheesy that, a little bit too, that was uh, one of my cheesy. honestly one of my favorite one of my favorite storylines ever I was so entertained by that really just the idea that <laughs> you, everybody knew it was Hogan and I remember you know he would they would ask him a question uh they had the lie detector test out there and uh, yeah yeah he was all hooked up and then to like, kind of are you Hulk Hogan are you he would say, yeah, well, I mean, you could see it was him. His mustache was hanging out. The whole bottom half was you know, open. And then they asked him, are you Hulk Hogan? And he goes, I don't know what you're talking about, brother. Yeah, I do, I do remember that. Uh, and, of course, the reveal so was tongue-in-cheek and obvious. It was great. It was. It was very tongue-in-cheek. I, I agree with you. And then, of course, the reveal angle with uh, uh, you, you know, the, the uh, Hornswoggle ended up being the illegitimate illegitimate son um was uh yeah you know that was a that was a bit of a, a buzz kill to me but um <laughs> the the uh the the uh the um general manager the um computer general manager that was a bit of a buzz kill to me too um but there was a there was one that was that really um uh, I know I'll probably remember it uh, during the probably further down the show or tomorrow. That that was there was a really good one. I think it was either in WWE early or maybe WCW. That was a pretty good reveal angle that uh, really really caught me. Um, I mean, I guess I guess the uh, maybe the NWO. You can kind of call that a reveal angle mm-hmm. a bit because you know, you, know the, the, you got the outsiders coming in and why and they were you know teasing and things like that and the third guy so uh, that's probably the most popular one so well Ken appreciate you man uh, okay I see who blew yep. up Vince McMahon limo um, I see there we people go. are just yep. saying reveal angles now <laughs> yeah um, <clears throat> so yeah chat room we'll talk about reveal angles when Ken uh, Ken goes off the line here. <laughs> Ken, it's been a pleasure, man. Uh, appreciate you being yeah. on the show. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, please plug, plug the account before before uh, we leave tonight. Yeah, if you guys, uh, if anybody out there is interested in relocating to the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, um, we, have a, we have a great school. We have a great family we've created here in the Twin Cities. And uh, you can Contact us. You can call 507-722-2776. And uh, say, uh, either say me that again, or my, that was 507-722-2776. That's the academy line that will uh, uh, get a response. You can text that number. 
or call, and uh, you'll get a response from either me or my wife. And uh, you can ask any questions. You can visit theacademyprowrestling.com for information. And we're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Instagram is the Academy SOPW. It stands for School of Professional Wrestling. And uh, same thing on Twitter. So please, please check us oh. out. Yes, please do. Please do. Uh, what was your favorite match? Real quick. My favorite match that I was a part of or my favorite match of all time? That you were a part of. Um, so two two or three really stand out in my head. Uh, one was the lockdown match that I had with Kurt Angle in, I believe it was 2009 or 2010 in St. Louis. That was, uh, that was really awesome. Fun. Uh, it's awesome. Cause I watch it and I, I can see all the mistakes that I made in the match and I hate it, but um, mm-hmm. I like the storytelling aspect of it. I have to give all the credit to Kurt for basically planning that and laying it all out. I just had to go out there and help him execute it. Um, and then the other one was when I wrestled Matt Hardy. I think it's on the Matt. It's on the like the best of Matt Hardy DVD. He selected it as one of his favorites too. It was uh, this match where I had the briefcase. I remember I had the Money in the Bank briefcase. And mm-hmm. at one point, I'm crawling for the briefcase, and Matt comes and drop kicks it out of the frame. Um, I can't remember if, it was, if that was a SmackDown. It was either a SmackDown or a pay-per-view. I can't remember. Got it. Exactly. Oh, I just remember. See, I see the the the, the joy of buffer talk. I remember was the one of the reveal angles that I was that I was remembered was the uh when Shawn Michaels got the crate when when the big crate box fell on him and then uh ended up being Triple H. Uh he ended up being the one that uh you know, um you're darn right it was me, Sean, you know, and uh <laughs> and I think that was a pretty good one. End up being Triple H. I don't recall uh, that one. I don't recall really? that one. Yeah, you got to. No, gotta was that during that, the Attitude Era or before? No, that was um, that that was probably. Uh, or was it after I left? So Michaels was gone from what ninety eight to oh two, right? So it was after uh, that sounds about right. Oh two, yeah, I think he was gone for four years when he's back. So it was after oh two, so. It was a little mm. bit after I mean, they had their match at uh, SummerSlam '02 when when Michaels wore the pants, and then the I think they re- Yeah, yeah, he wore the he was in the jeans, um, and then yeah, so it was after '02. So a lot of times when I talk Michaels, I think of '98 and before or '02 and above, and it was after '02. Right, right. So, yeah, gotcha. Thanks, Ken, man. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank tonight, you very man. much. Uh, welcome to the, well, I think you're already a five-timers club, but uh, if, <laughs> if we see each other at uh, during Mania weekend, man, I'll uh, give you, uh, I may give you a, 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 one of little bomber jackets or something. Awesome. I love it. I love <laughs> it, lot, and man. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you, and um, keep doing keep doing your thing, man. Likewise. Thanks so much, man. Thanks. Ken Anderson, ladies and gentlemen, um, man, uh, thanks so much, Ken, for being on the show tonight. 
Um, I, I really like the idea of the <laughs> of the reveal angles. Uh, we got a little bit of time tonight uh, to, to talk about some reveal angles. I I like some of y'all's the yeah okay memo. That was a good. That was a corny one. I agree. The story was uh, with Enzo and Cass. I think that was. I think that was corny. I agree with that. Um, I think it was. I think it was kind of. I think it was kind of obvious that it was going to be big cast. So I really didn't. Yeah, that wasn't really a good reveal angle. <clears throat> what are some other good ones? What are some other good reveal angles? Especially the ones that caused a turn. <clears throat> were they? Were there any reveal angles that caused a face? To, okay. Oh, see, I knew I was going to remember the one that I wanted to remember the whole time. To me, probably the best reveal angle was um uh Jake Roberts um do, do you trust me uh Jake Roberts um when he was uh kind of you know journeying the ultimate warrior do you trust me and then um oh, what was it and then and then he put him in the room with the snakes, and then you know looks up and uh, the, the 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 shot of the 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 Undertaker and yeah yeah that was really cool because that end up causing that end up causing the uh, Jake Roberts to turn heel at the time I believe so yeah that yeah that was that was probably one of the best reveal angles the Do You Trust Me with Jake Roberts and and the Ultimate Warrior and the uh, the Undertaker. Um, any more? Can't think of any more. Brandon Vince is the higher power. Yeah, we talked about that. I think that that was trash. I think um, I was so underwhelmed. I was so underwhelmed at that um, that it would end up being Vince that uh, that was uh, the, the higher power. Like uh, I think like Jake would probably have been better. Like someone like a Jake Roberts or I can't even think of anybody. That would have really fit that mold. Um, I can't. Yeah, I can't even think of anybody who would have fit that mold. Oh yeah, I remember the uh, vegetative state. I like that one. I like that one. I like the Undertaker vegetative state. End up being Kane. <clears throat> Kane did the turn. I liked it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. I Anybody, anybody else? Can anybody else think about any any other reveal angles? I'm gonna uh, some. I want to hear some old school reveal angles, like some some old NWA stuff. <clears throat> I can't even think of any NWA. Um. Okay. Okay. Rob, did the save us? Okay. Um. That really didn't go too far. Um, the Millennium, yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. The Millennium one was was the best reveal angle, um, especially when he interv- when he interrupted the Rock and came out. Yeah, I think that was really good one. Good, good one. That was a good one, Rob. All right, speaking of the Undertaker, uh, we're going to talk more about the Undertaker today. We're going to talk about uh, WrestleMania matches uh, from '98 to 2003, and also have a uh, compilation. Of um, of Undertaker questions. Brandon says uh, uh, only one that comes to mind in regards to NWA was Dusty being the Midnight Rider. Yeah, I talked about that with Ken. 
Yeah, I see. That's the one I could think of was Dusty as the Midnight Rider. NWA wise, because I'm thinking of like, oh, the Black Scorpion. That's that's a really good one. Um, yes, yes. How could we not think about that one? The Black Scorpion is probably one of the most popular um, NWA WCW reveal angles ever. Um, I, I was, I was really, really intrigued of the black, uh, of the black scorpion angle. Um, but I, I was, I was underwhelmed to end up being flair, to be honest with you. I, I was like, eh, eh, like the, it's flair, you know? Cause I remember when like, see, I remember, I, I wish I can, I'll probably get pinged if I if I if I share a video or something like that. So I'm not gonna, I'm not going to do that. Um, but I, I really I really hope. Oh, that's a good one, Gruss. Undertaker versus Undertaker at SummerSlam. Well, that's a good one. Um, but I was really intrigued of the Black Scorpion angle because I remember like the uh, the promos were like the the silhouette promos and like he would give. He would give uh, clues of like who he was, and just like uh, um, they used he they wrestled before, they've teamed before. It was so I, I remember the Black Scorpion angle. I was so intrigued in that angle. That is the one right there, the Black Scorpion. Um, but you know, it was how it turned out to be was just like eh. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't very good, honestly. Um, so we'll see. Yes, Brandon. Uh, Oli did do the Black Scorpion promos. Yep, yep. He did do the Black Scorpion promos. I was really into Black Scorpion. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, good stuff. Good talk by Ken. Uh, great talk by Ken. Go uh, the the number. Uh, I wrote the number here. Um, 507-722-2776. That's the Academy. So, all right. Let's talk about, uh, let's, let's get into some headlines. We've got a few headlines. Of course, uh, as always, hashtag ask Chris questions. Um, I've got some time, a little bit more time for those today. Um, really, really good discussion by Ken Anderson. So let's address a few of these headlines. Let's do this. Here we go. First trivia question of the night. Who did the Undertaker compete against at SummerSlam 92? Who did the Undertaker compete against at SummerSlam 92? Um. Nope. I see an answer already, but that is not the correct answer. Um. Unfortunately. Um. Yeah, Black Scorpion. That may, that's making me want to go back. <laughs> and uh, it's making me want to go back and um and watch some Black Scorpion promos. So. Um, Gruss is asking, ask Chris, why is Becky Lynch trying to copy Stone Cold storylines from 97? Um, (laughs) 
that's not a Becky thing. That's a WWE booking thing. Um, yeah, just can't come up with anything original, huh? Uh, it's basically they're with with Raw. They basically are doing the female version of Austin McMahon, and that <clears throat> that is not that is not original at all. Unfortunate. Brandon's is asking, ask Chris, what are they doing with EC3? Um, the same thing that they're doing with all the other NXT stars. They're they're on both brands now. Vince McMahon. Um, he's doing that on purpose so they can have more exposure, so it can be more, um, it can mean more when they choose their particular brand. Uh, personally, I'm not getting anything from it. Um, and, and it didn't really look, and we'll talk about Raw in a minute, but it didn't really look, make EC3 look strong if he, um, if it's like a big, huge upset that he that he's you know that he beat Dean Ambrose, yes, it's an upset, but it just made him look it made him look very mid cardy by saying, "Whoa, EC three, are you serious?" You know, so it wasn't yeah, it wasn't really good. So, um, Lee and Mahmood, good stuff. Kamala, the Ugandan giant. Rob is asking, ask Chris, I asked this a while back, but we, <laughs> WCW style ran out of time. We gotta go, we're out of time. Uh, who do I think is facing Taker this mania? Um, no one. I don't think Taker's going to compete at this mania, which I'm a total, which I'm a big fan of. I, I'm, I'm totally happy that, that if, if Taker doesn't compete at mania, I am a hundred percent okay with that. Um, I, I, I stand by it. I think he should have retired at 28. I can't really think of anybody, except for, except for Roman Reigns. I was there, and I think Roman Reigns beating him um, helped Reigns in a – it helped Reigns to a, to an extent, but the very fact that he got beat up um, weeks later and turned over by the ambulance by Braun Strowman, I think that killed his momentum. I think that was terrible booking, terrible timing. Terrible, terrible, terrible! Uh, that you beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania, then you get tossed over uh, by Braun Strowman in an ambulance. I think that was terrible. Um, that so so in hindsight, that didn't really help him, especially since Taker came back. the fa- The fact that Roman Reigns beat Taker and then came uh, uh, Reigns got beat up weeks later by Braun Strowman. And then Taker came back the next year. I think in hindsight, it really didn't help Reigns all that much. So I stand by the fact that I think that Taker should have retired at 28. I think the Hell in a Cell match against Triple H was so much emotion in that match. Michaels as the ref gave the Undertaker an edge. I mean, it gave Triple H an edge. Um, <clears throat> Taker still prevailed. Um, I didn't like his hair at the time. It was terrible. Had more of an uh, Uncle Fester look <laughs> going for him. Uh, but I think that should have been his last um, his last pay-per-view, the Hell in a Cell match. Um, because if you think about it, 29 was punk, right? I, that didn't do anything to anybody. 30 was uh, Brock. I still think Brock shouldn't have beat. Taker, I think he, I think he still shouldn't have broke the streak. I think that was still, still a bad call. I'm sure we'll probably go into that 
hmm. more toward the, the this is the five year anniversary of the streak being broken. How about that? Yeah, we'll talk about that more as uh, we come to uh, get closer to WrestleMania. The fifth year, the five year streak of the the five year anniversary of the streak ending. So we'll talk about that. Um, and um, yeah. So what? Thirty one was what Bray because I was in Santa Clara. Um, thirty two was Shane. That's still nothing. <laughs> there was a really bad storyline. The match was uh, subpar. Thirty three was uh, was was um, Orlando, so that was Reigns, and then last year was um, was uh, Cena, which you know it was it was a shock factor that that he was there, but at the still at the end. Um, it really didn't mean anything. So, yeah, didn't mean anything. All right, all right. Next trivia question: <clears throat> Who were the two people who claimed to have found the Undertaker in 1994? Who were the two people who claimed to have found the Undertaker in 1994? Um, all right. So for our headlines. Um, so the Hart Foundation, um, the two people. I see one person with one answer, so we need two people. Um, all right. Uh, so 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 Hall of Fame, Hart Foundation. Um, so there's been some discussion of whether it should have been either the uh, either the faction or the team. So they're they're doing the team, which is uh, Bret Hart. Uh, Jim Neidhart and um, Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, and of course uh, Jimmy Hart. So <clears throat> that'll that make Bret the uh, second two-time uh, WWE Hall of Famer. Very interesting. Um, that that Bret is Bret becomes a two-time Hall of Famer over Hogan. Um, because I would imagine like the NWO being the Hall of Fame, but yeah, I, I think that's interesting. So, so Brett is the second ever two-time Hall of Famer. Well, he will be. Um, and then the thing is, uh, well, so so Jim Jim Hart and Jimmy Jim the Jimmy Envernight Hart and then Jimmy Hart, um, <clears throat> they 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 haven't been Hall of Famers yet, so. No, Rob, Jimmy Hart's not he's not a Hall of Famer. So Jimmy and Jim will both be uh Hall of Fame for the first time. So that's a good way to put Jim in the Hall of Fame. I think I think I think in that vein it's a it's a good call. I think it's a very good call to put Jim Neidhart in the Hall of Fame as a tag team star. Jimmy Hart too. Um I'm I'm totally fine with that too. Um uh, so I think I think it's good. I, I'm I'm okay with it. I think it's a good call. I guess the conversation comes in of whether British Bulldog and Brian Pillman should be in there. And you know, it's it's one of those things that I don't know. I'm a bit I'm a bit uh, I'm a bit torn with that um, because. Here, here's 
here here's why I'm torn with that. Pillman, I if he, I don't know if WWE would put him in the Hall of Fame by himself. I don't know that. I think he should be, but I don't know if he. I don't know if he to, to WWE he has the resume to go in the Hall of Fame by himself. So the hall the. Being a part of the Heart Foundation and going in that way would be good for Pillman. Uh, I think, and here's the thing: here's the here's the issue with with Bulldog too. I totally believe that Bulldog should go in by himself, but do you put Dynamite Kid in, which I think the British Bulldogs should be in the in the Hall of Fame as a team? Um, but. The British Bulldogs had a a very short run in the eighties as a top WWE tag team. Bulldog did a few things in WWE, you know, Wembley Stadium ninety two, you know, Heart Foundation ninety seven, you know, so he you know, uh, Camp Cornette, you know, things like that. So Bulldog had a more successful Maybe he wasn't as popular as British Bulldogs, but he it's it's really tough. It it's it's really tough to, to really decipher whether you should go in as a singles or as a tag team. <clears throat> because if he goes in as a tag team, he would probably go in as the British Bulldogs. So he wouldn't go in uh, in the Hart Foundation. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And then WWE's, I don't know how WWE and Dynamite Kid, you know, it would be posthumous for both of them, unfortunately. Um, I don't know. It, it, it would be it's interesting. I, I think I think the safe bet is to go ahead and put the British Bulldogs as a team in the Hall of Fame, right? I think that would be ideal. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's probably what you do. Because because you don't want to you don't want to shaft Dynamite Kid because they were they were one of the most popular teams in the 80s. But Bulldog had a he had a more successful singles run in the WWE. So really either way either way can have a strong argument. But Pillman he doesn't have that argument. It was just, you know, Pillman his you know, WCW career which wasn't wasn't really a lot and you know his WWE career you know the the loose cannon joining the horsemen ECW all of that um you know builds a resume but as far as WWE is concerned I don't know if he has a strong enough resume to go in by himself so going in with our foundation would work but and then unfortunately you got the Owen thing um you know, the dispute and stuff like that, which is so unfortunate. It's so unfortunate. Or Owen Hart needs to be in the Hall of Fame. So it's sad that some politics outside of WWE is preventing that from happening. Hopefully everything is straightened up because uh, Owen Hart should be in the Hall of Fame, uh, hands down. All right. So the correct answer to that question is... Paul Bearer and Ted DiBiase both claimed to have found The Undertaker, and uh, that led to the Undertaker versus Undertaker match at um, 
1994 SummerSlam, I believe it was. Uh, Chris is asking, ask Chris, um, the loose king sparked the attitude here in the WWF, WWE. Um, <clears throat> sure, sure it did. But is that, you know, is, is that enough? Is that enough to have uh, a Hall of Fame career? You know, I, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, okay, I don't think the WWE thinks so. I again, I think WWE. I think that Brian Pillman should be in the Hall of Fame. I, I, I personally think. I think with Stampede, with WCW, uh, the Cruiserweight division, the, the Horsemen, the Loose Cannon, ECW, the Loose Cannon, and um, uh, WWE, the uh, Hart Foundation. I think he has enough to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I just don't. I personally don't think WWE thinks that you know uh that he has that but yeah Mahmoud makes a good point there stone code would uh, induct brian pillman i totally agree with that um all right next question um <clears throat> what pay-per-view did paul bearer turn on the undertaker to align with mankind what pay-per-view did paul bearer turn on the undertaker to align with Mankind. All right. Um, the mood. That was quick. I like it. SummerSlam 1996. Teen. 96. My mood said it was the boiler room match. Um, Gus said this. <laughs> if Snoop Dogg can be in the Hall of Fame, Pillman can. That is uh, totally different. That is. That is 100% uh, metaphorically apples and oranges. Um, Snoop Dogg is a part of the celebrity wing. He's not a part of the wrestling wing. Um, you know, Snoop Dogg, Kid Cash. I think Drew Carey's in there. Donald Trump. So, <clears throat> yeah. I don't know who else. I can't think about who else is in the... Um, I can't think of who else is in the uh, the Hall of Fame. The, the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah, at least that celebrity wing is trash. Uh, I, I just, I question the whole thing, honestly, the, the whole celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think if you were a celebrity that was uh, a very integral part of the WWE's growth, uh, I think you should be in the regular Hall of Fame. <laughs> like, just having a celebrity wing of someone who performed a couple times. Like, here's the thing. I think, like, someone like um, Flo Rida is going to be in the Celebrity Wing Hall of Fame here coming up in a couple of uh, years because he's made some performances. Um, like Cindy Lauper. Yeah, yeah, Mahmood and Brandy. I agree. Cindy Lauper, like, should be in the regular Hall of Fame. Like, like she shouldn't be in some celebrity wing because Cindy Lauper was very, uh, she was a big integral part of the growth, the rock and wrestling era. Huge part of that. I mean, the rock and wrestling era is the, um, the rock and wrestling era is probably the pivotal moment of, of WWE success. Mr. T is another one. Uh, I agree. Um, he should be in the regular hall of fame because he was a part of, uh, the, you know the the first couple WrestleManias, and uh, he was a pivotal part in the success. He, they they Muhammad Ali should be another one in the regular Hall of Fame. 
uh, Muhammad Ali and, and, and Mr. T were the two celebrities that WWE really hinged on to really, um, uh, to really help propel their company. Um, it's been so has been said many, many times that WrestleMania was, uh, it was a, it was really a, a huge gamble. It was, it was one of the, the, the biggest gambles in the WWE history. It, I mean, the, the, the lifeblood of the company really hinged upon the success of WrestleMania. And they used the celebrity, um, uh, they used the celebrity pub of Mr. T and Muhammad Ali uh, to, to make it successful. And I think that Muhammad Ali and Mr. T, because of that, should be in the regular Hall of Fame. I think Cindy Lauper should be in the Hall of Fame because of the rock and rock and wrestling era. So, just uh, just a celebrity wing to me. I mean, you know, although I was there and I appreciate Kid Rock's uh, uh, speech because it was shorter than Hillbilly Jim's, which, uh, you know, kind soul. But uh, yeah, Shaq. I agree. Shaq should be in the regular Hall of Fame too. Yep. Um, Floyd Mayweather. Yep. I think those are those are good ones. Um I agree. Um but yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Hibley Jim, man. God bless him. <laughs> he started off with saying I'm not gonna be long. And he was alone. He was alone. <laughs> and uh so and that's the thing, I'm I'm torn this year because um I usually go to the Hall of Fame, um, get dressed up and, and, and go and enjoy myself. And sitting on the floor and uh, do some coverage, but that's the same day as uh, the G1 Supercard, so I might be missing the Hall of Fame this year for the G1 Supercard. So uh, we'll see. I, I will. Uh, speaking of a reveal angle, I'll, I'll, I'll announce where I'm going to be for for WrestleMania, so we can do some uh, some chatting and some meet and greets and. Maybe I'll bring a few wrestlers with me. How about that? We'll, we'll see. Uh, tweet tweet at Chris Prolific. Um, boom, right there. Perfect. Let me know if you're going to WrestleMania. Because um, I know people who are going, I know wrestlers who are going to WrestleMania that I can just, you know, pull for some Q&A or something like that and, and put something together. It really depends on who's going to come. Who can who confirm if I, you know, I'm, I've been an event planner for 15 years. And, uh, you know, uh, if there's, I can put something together if, if there's a strong enough demand for it. Uh, I can make some, make some happen. But if not, um, I'll just uh, do some video coverage of <laughs> what I've been doing, just a bunch of indie shows and have a bunch of fun, do a bunch of coverage, be super, super busy <laughs> from Thursday to Thursday to Saturday, really. And then Sunday, I watch Mania and come back Monday morning. Uh, all right, so Rob is asking, uh, ask Chris, AEW announced that um, they have offered a major deal with the current WWE star. We actually want to talk about that. Uh, it's a headline. <clears throat> Bala posted a pic with Jericho. Thoughts? Um, no, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. <clears throat> I don't see Balor. Um WWE would not, yeah, they they wouldn't okay that <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, I don't see Balor, um, and plus 
offering a deal. I don't see. I know Triple H before has talked about uh, you know just uh, how the how he couldn't really offer deals with ROH stars because of some conflict, you know, contractual things that he just couldn't do. Um, I don't know how that works. That works now with AEW and and WWE as far as because they they usually don't permit that just to discuss deals with current WWE stars. Uh, Russell Volts actually uh, tweeted that. Um, that was actually one of the headlines that we're going to talk about today. I I don't know. It's it's interesting to it's it's really interesting to to know who it is. I don't know if Finn Balor would be Park, but I do think Finn Balor would be a good surprise Lex Luger Mall of America uh you know, inaugural Nitro type of thing. If Balor just kind of like if like the lights went out I think that's really how they should reveal like the whole ECW type of feel to it. Like the old school ECW. Like when they had debuts, returns, uh, the lights would go out, the lights would come back on, and then there's um, there's Taz, there's the Sandman, you know, there's Raven, there, you know. And I think that's what they should do with, with All or Nothing. Lights go off, lights come back on, and uh, there's your reveal, whoever it is. Now, if they did that and it was Finn Balor, uh, the, the, I think the, I think the crowd would go bananas. Uh, but if they if they announced Finn Balor, uh, I don't think it would be as it would be buzzworthy, but uh, I don't think it'd be as hot as if it was like a reveal. Talk about a reveal <laughs> again, uh, if it was a big reveal. I think it'll be hotter that way. Um, so we'll see. Um, we'll see. I'm talking actually uh, uh, next week is the the the, the ticket, and uh, there are supposed to be some announcements of other people coming. So <clears throat> we'll see how that works. We'll see how that works. Um, Nakamura to AEW. Yeah. Nah. Uh, speaking of reveals, Lex Luger in the gift wrap boxes to Sting. I'm not saying it was good. <laughs> it was just something that came to mind. Thank you for bringing that up. No, it was not good, but thank you for bringing that up. If anybody have any more reveal angles, um, do that. I think that's the I think that's the the thread. That's the theme for tonight. Reveal angles. Very interesting uh, uh, running theme for tonight. Running discussion is the reveal angles. I, I like that. Mahmoud um, is asking, ask Chris, are you in agreement with that the Elimination Chamber card is weak and uneventful? Um, I think it's predictable. Uh, personally, there's nothing that, I mean, there's nothing that stands out for me, unfortunately. There's just, yeah, I, I think it is a bit weak. Um and it just goes to show just uh, how how saturated WWE is with pay-per-views. Like, they don't have riveting stories, and they don't captivate people enough that they just got to keep, you know, oversaturating, oversaturating us with pay-per-views as if that's going to make anything better. I think it kind of hurts WWE because it doesn't give 
the fans enough time to really uh, dig deep, just really dig into a storyline. That's, I mean, you know, I'm a traditionalist. Everybody who listens to this show knows very well um, that I like old school wrestling. And I really like the Saturday Night's Main Event days because Saturday Night's Main Event was, it was like the, it was like the buffer. Same thing with Clash of Champions. It was like the placeholders in between like big pay-per-views. And I, and I really liked that. It, it was, it was a, it, it had a pay-per-view feel to it, but it wasn't necessarily a pay-per-view. You would still have like matches that weren't necessarily uh, pay-per-view quality. You know, like I remember, I think one um, class of champions, it was like, the Italian Stallion versus Lex Luger. I think that was one of them. Of course, that's not a class of the champions. I mean, that's not a pay-per-view caliber uh, match. However, um, the, the main event was strong enough um, to to really plug it as a really big pay-per-view feel. Um, so, and Saturday Night's Night main event did the same thing. They really did a lot of booking, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, good storyline, riveting storylines. I remember Paul Orndorff and Hulk Hogan when they had their storyline, and that was huge. You know, Saturday Night's main event was real big. Um, Hogan and uh, was it? I think it was Hogan and Kamala. Um, they had a, a storyline going to Saturday Night's main event. Um, so yeah. I, I was I was I was a fan. I was a big fan of just the the history of and how they would build that. Um uh yeah. So I am trying to look up class so the first uh 1988 was the first time it aired. Uh Nakamura AEW. That would be interesting. I'd be okay with that. Um, Gruss is asked Chris is hard for a wrestling company to, to keep secret in the social media era. In a way, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, I think that there you can do it. Like Sting coming to Survivor Series popped, you know, popped. You know that was huge. That was huge. Um, I mean, even even when, you know, here's the thing. Even even with the dirt sheets, even with people saying, um. He may come, he may not come. I think the very fact that Sting actually stepped foot in the WWE as opposed to, you know, all the years of not doing it and everything just lined up to still make that a really, really huge moment. So you can still do it. Um, speaking of boxes, what do you think of Snake being uh, inside for Randy Savage and Liz? Oh, that's okay. Yeah, that was a good one. I like that one, uh, Snake and, and Savage with the with the with the wedding gift, and then the uh, you know unfortunately the uh, led to the um, the bite. Ah, yikes! The the big old bite, which was crazy. Macho Man is uh, a G <laughs> when it comes when it comes to that. Uh, Robert saying uh, <laughs> awful reveal DDP. And WD stalking Undertaker and Sarah. Now I thought that DDP as the stalker was very riveting. It was very surprising. Um, definitely 
not in any imagination would have imagined that uh it was DDP. But uh go uh, go back to the to the um archives and and listen to my interview with uh with DDP. We talked about that. Um just as far as his thoughts on just how it all went. I think that the angle was bad. I think it turned out to not be good at all. Um but him being the the person was a big surprise. Um Gruss is saying, "Ask Chris, uh, Verapiro should have been the stalker in the DDP in 2001. Uh, eh, I don't, I don't think that Vampiro was the only thing. The thing is, Vampiro, very, very good worker, super over in Mexico. Um, there's just, I don't think DDP. I don't, I don't think that Vampiro. I don't think WWE had enough confidence in Vampiro. Um." To to have him be in that big of a role. Um, all right, so I'm looking at Class of the Champions stuff here. So the very first Class of the Champions was March 27, 1988, Greensboro Coliseum. Uh, opening match was Mike Rotunda with Kevin Sullivan um, going against Jimmy Garvin with Precious. Um, Midnight Express against the Fantastics, Road Warriors against the Powers of Pain. And the barbed wire match, and Luger and Wyndham against Anderson and Blanchard for the tag team titles, um, and then Flair. Uh, the, the the time the time limit draw be, with between Flair and Sting. So that was actually a pretty very there was a there was a pretty solid card there. Um, okay, and then the second one was June of June nine June eight nineteen eighty eight. U.S. title match opened the card between Barry Windham and Brad Armstrong. So um, that ended with Anderson and Blanchard against Sting and Rhodes. That was a double DQ for the uh, tag team championship. So they really. Uh, so let me see. It was it was class of the champions was like the takeovers of now. Um, because you had one in March, and then you had one about two and a half months later, June eighth. Then you have one three months later, September 7th, and then December 7th. So every about every three months, which was pretty – that's pretty sweet, man. Every three months, you had a class of the champions. Big, you know, that's, that's I think that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, just – World Television Champ. Brad Armstrong had a television championship uh, opportunity too. Time limit draw, twenty minutes against Mike Rotunda on the third class of the champions, September seventh, nineteen eighty-eight. Um, so yeah, so we'll, we'll talk more. We'll go in depth the class of the champions for a flavor of the week or so. Um, another episode. All right, so. Uh, Good reveal, uh, though predictable, was the Undertaker angle when they kept flashing the date. Ain't no uh, grave that can hold my body down. Ain't no grave that hold my body down. Yeah, I think that was good, too. <clears throat> didn't um, didn't uh, TNA, didn't they counter that by trying to do something for that day? Um, cause I remember... 
TNA trying to do something with it? That it might have been a ten. No. Oh, what was that? I know the TNA tried to do try to try to do like something big for that too, which tanked. Um, they tried to counter that by by doing something. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but it, it didn't. It didn't because I know that they tried to counter uh, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels confrontation with bringing a bunch of people to uh, to TNA. That was I think it was January fourth, two thousand ten, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's when I think Sting came. Uh, well, Sting and I think Sting and RVD had a match, and I think RVD won the title. That's when Hardy came. I think you had like Flair came that day. Um, okay, so yeah, so TNA did that a few weeks uh, after the Undertaker reveal. Okay, thank you for um, thank you for that, Gross. Um. Yeah, okay, so TNA, they had a bunch of reveals, too. Let me look at the card for that, the results. Um, yeah, because I know that they try to they try to com- combat, they're trying to compete with them, and it just wasn't, it, it just, I watched both of them, but it was a bit of a knockoff feel to it, um, unfortunately, because I, I, I was a I've been a TNA apologist for a while, but TNA had some uh, some tough times, unfortunately. Uh, Gress is asking, uh, ask Chris, should WWE have Sting versus Undertaker at WrestleMania 27? 27 was what? Um, trip? So, yeah. Cause 20, 25 and 26 was Michaels. 27, 28 was Triple H. So Sting Taker twenty seven, that may have worked. To the thing, yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Um, still, a, still, Asylum match. Alex Saban, Chris A. Uh, Consequences Creed. Um, I'm looking at the results for the uh, January fourth Impact episode. And that's the same one with the uh, reconciliation of uh, <clears throat> Michaels and, and, and Brett. ODF defeated Tara to become the new women's knockout champion. Um, Kong and Hamada defeated Sarita and Taylor Wilde to become the new TNA <laughs> women's knockout champions. Hernandez and Matt Morgan defeated Dr. Stevie and Raven. That'll be interesting to talk to Matt Morgan about uh, just the 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 vibe in uh in TNA at that time um when they did the head to head with Raw um yeah what what were the what were the backs this style uh, uh Samoa Joe defeated Abyss and then Samoa Joe defeated uh Kurt Angle to retain the title uh that was a really good match by the way um so yeah that would be interesting to talk to Matt Morgan about uh, just to see what the backstage feel was and what the conversations were of like, hey, we're like legitimately going head to head with Monday Night Raw at this time, even though our, you know, our ratings aren't as close, nowhere near as, as WWE's right now. So, all right, well, the last uh, thing we'll talk about here is Sanity's. Uh, you know, uh, Kelly and Dane making an interesting uh, tweet. 
being sidelined for the WWE events. Uh, it may have been jokingly, may have been a shoot. Uh, you know, thinking that this tweet has something to do with his uh, his uh, WWE live event absence. But just really sanity, period, though. I mean, just, it's been over a month. I think it was the Christmas episode that they were um, a part of SmackDown Live. And WWE, since they've came up from NXT, they've done a terrible job with booking Sanity. I mean, just hardly ever there. I know Anderson and Gallows was like that, too. Just hardly ever there. It's really bad. Um, uh, well, Anderson and Gallows, I mean, they had they were good on Raw, but when they got moved over to SmackDown, they, they were used poorly. Sanity's even worse. Um, <clears throat> I mean, put them back to NXT if it's if it's if you're having such a, a terrible, um, if it's if it's so bad, if you're so if you're having such a terrible time with booking them, I mean, something needs to happen. Why in the world would you even have them on the main roster to barely even use them? Terrible, and all of them can go, especially Eric Young. Eric Young's a fantastic worker to me. I've always liked Eric Young as as a worker. Doesn't make sense. Uh, go back to NXT. You'll you'll have exposure. You'll have shine. You were a former. I mean, you were a top team. You were the top team at one point in NXT. Why would you bring them to the main roster? Just a terrible job with using them. So, all right. Uh, yes, I agree, Brandon. The main roster is too stacked, especially with these new people coming up here, um, and just using them just to use them. I, it's weird. All right. Two-parter here. What paper, which pay-per-view hosted the first ever Hell in a Cell match? And who was the Undertaker's opponent? Which pay-per-view hosted the first ever Hell in a Cell match? And who was the Undertaker's opponent? Two-parter there. Raw and SmackDown. Um, thoughts? Give us your grades. Give us your grades for both Raw and SmackDown. Grass. See you first. I see Rob as well. Mahmood as well. Bad blood, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Um, next Undertaker question. Who did the Undertaker partner with to become tag team champion for the first time? Who did the Undertaker partner with to become tag team champion in the WWE for the first time? Uh, Rob said both the snooze fest. <laughs> um, yeah, Rob. Yeah, both of them was just like me. Um, the Elias versus Jeff Jarrett was was really weird because Jeff Jarrett was supposed to be the baby face, but Portland. I don't think they got it, maybe. I don't know. It just didn't seem like they really, because Jeff Jarrett was getting uh, some some heel heat. Um, so, yeah, that was just really, really odd to me. Brandon, there you go. Good job, man. Um, looking at something here real quick. Um, July 26, 1998. Um 
is the first time that he was tag team champion. So, and that person that he was tag team champion with was <clears throat> Stone Cold Steve Austin. Good job, Brandon. All right, uh, let's see. Typical weeks away from a pay-per-view weekly show. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, the EC3 thing and Dean Ambrose, we talked about that. McIntyre and Corbin against Braun Strowman and Kurt Angle. For that to be a main event, that was a bit of a snoozer. Um, I don't know exactly. It's, I don't know if they're building up something for Angle, but, you know, they've done a terrible job keeping his legendary status. Um, I'm not. I, I'm just not a fan of what they're doing with Angle at all. Um, super terrible. Um, yeah. And I don't like what they're doing with Drew either. Uh, I, I To be honest with you, I would prefer another big heel. <clears throat> Whatever. I'm sure that there's a heel that like a gender, like Jinder Mahal. Let, let Jinder Mahal get a, a little bit of a push. Put him with Baron Corbin. Take Drew away from Baron Corbin and this angle. It's terrible. Put Jinder with Corbin and let them feud against um, – uh, Braun Strowman, and and I would I would have them attack Braun Strowman, jump Braun Strowman, and I would have that. To me, that's when I would have Bray Wyatt come back. I would have, I would I would it would be a Raw. I would have Angle away from this too. I would have them uh, attack Braun Strowman, jump him, lights go off, Bray Wyatt comes in, he helps Braun Strowman. And if you want to do Corbin and Jinder versus Strowman and Bray at Mania, do it. Do it. Um, Brandon says it seems like the angle Corbin thing has been going on forever. Uh, terrible ending when Moose says, <clears throat> Gross said, uh, Jared needs to change that theme song. <laughs> I think that's the point. I think that's the, the, the J double F, J E double F, J A double R E W double T type thing. I think that's what they want to do with him, his old WWE gimmick. Uh, Moose says, ooh, good one, Chris. Bray Wyatt returns to help Braun. I like it. Yeah, I mean, why not? Why not? They, they, they've having, they, they've they've had issues with finding some somewhere to put them right now. So I think the best thing you do is just to have Jinder and Corbin um, you know, jump Braun and uh, lights go off. Let Braun and Bray team. Um why not? Let the revival let the revival be uh Bobby Roode and, and Chad Gable. Um even if you want if you want to do this Corbin and Gender against Braun and Brayton and Mania, do it. Because you don't necessarily need a title behind it. Um uh, but if you want to have the revival beat uh uh Rude and uh Gable, I like see I have a I have a soft spot for Bobby Roode as a babyface, to be honest with you. Um Although a lot of people, you know, have been criticizing it, but <clears throat> I don't have necessarily a problem with it. But, uh, but if you want to have the revival, um, if you want to have the revival beat uh, um, Cor- uh, Bobby Roode and, and, and Chad Gable, you have the revival as champs, and then you have Bray and Braun um, as a team. Because Rowan is with Daniel Bryan in his corner to step them. Join. Join. 
Bray and and Braun. If he joins Bray and Braun, it it'd be more of a Wyatt family thing, which uh, I don't know if you. I, I don't want to see Braun. I don't want to see Bray as a heel again. I do not want to see Bray as a heel again. He he sucked the life out of WWE in his career when he was a heel. Uh, he was just he got so stale and no, I don't want to see Bray as a heel again. Uh, ask Chris is Braun Strowman ruined to be a world champion? That's a good question, Gross. No, I still think that there's some star power to him. There's some level of protection to him. He just doesn't just lose random matches like Drew McIntyre. Now, they ruined Drew McIntyre. They ruined him. I mean, just the foolproof plan, big heel, tried and true, just great path to become champ. And they have ruined, ruined Drew McIntyre. And it's sickening to see. Just terrible. Absolutely terrible. They still, there's still a level of protection with, with Braun to an extent. So, all right. Um, so, so I guess that's your Raw and SmackDown grades I'm seeing here. Not necessarily grades, but more comments. If there's grades, let me know. Um, for SmackDown, it seems like Charlotte's going the heel route. For, for Triple H to just tell Charlotte to just go away, that's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, I can help ask Chris uh, should have Drew McIntyre won the Royal Rumble. Um, with Brock and uh, with Brock, I, I said he should have, but with Brock and uh, uh, Brian both being heels, I don't think that that would have been the best idea. Um, what else we got here? I'm going to make a faction with Harper and Rowan behind maybe one more guy. Um, yeah, I can see that. I can see Harper and Rowan doing the having you know having a faction. Um, can you help book Chu McIntyre to become world champion? Um, well, I, I think I think if Seth beats Brock, um, I think I think eventually you you can still hopefully you can still you know rebuild Drew. And, and, and make him a star, but they they're doing a good job. They're doing a terrible job with looking him right now. Uh and then SmackDown, uh, Orton and Ali was actually a decent match. Um I'm surprised that Nakamura and Rusev defeated Car- uh, Anderson Gallows. Um I don't know if they're making this a thing. Honestly, I don't know. We'll see. Uh Gress is asking should Sandy's join the Daniel Bryan movement? No, cuz I think that they'll Bear him even more, honestly. Uh, Rob is uh, asking, do you really think Seth would be Brock, though? I don't, but because uh, Brock is, I think, from what I know, Brock is scheduled for the uh, the show, <clears throat> the Saudi Arabia show in May. So that's maybe when they'll have him drop it, perhaps. <clears throat> uh yeah, I don't see it. I don't see Seth winning, but it's surprising to me that they would have them win the Royal Rumble and go to face Brock at WrestleMania just just to lose. 
And I've said this before on the show, like I'm big big fan of Seth, um, but it's like Seth, AJ, Daniel Bryan, Dean Ambrose, like they all fin, like all five of them kind of fit the same good worker, smaller frame category, and Lesnar plowed through all of them, and why would he have an issue? Why would he have trouble plowing through Seth? It can't be a clean because it just wouldn't make sense to me. Like that, just he, him having trouble or just losing cleanly to Seth, and he is very similar to all the other names that I mentioned that Lesnar would just plow through. So I don't know how they're going to book that. Um, interesting trivia: uh, Brock Lesnar. <clears throat> Going against Seth Rollins now at, at WrestleMania 35, Brock Lesnar has now competed against, well, he will come April the 7th, I believe. Um, he will compete against every single member of the Shield at WrestleMania individually in singles matches. Um, will we have greatest WrestleMania in Saudi Arabia this year after WrestleMania 35? I hope not. I hope not. I don't want that. So WrestleMania this year have two battle royal matches or remove them both. Uh, you know it's it's a it's pre show thing, so I, I'm cool with that if they have another pre show. Although I think the Andre Battle Royal should be on the main card. I think that's a good way to push uh, someone like they did with Cesaro. Um, they didn't really they didn't follow through with that. <laughs> that's another theme that we've been talking about. Um, but yeah. All right. So, 98 to 2003, real quick, <clears throat> do that for a couple of minutes here. So, 98 was uh, Kane at uh, WrestleMania uh, uh, 14. Um, I remember him, you know, rejecting, refusing to go against Kane for so long. And then, um, yeah. So, uh, for just for. Just for formalities, let's do this. Flavor of the week. It is now Here time for the flavor of the week. All right. Here we go. Uh, all right. So the winner of the Andre Battle Royal get a better get a title shot at SummerSlam. They should get a title at the Raw after WrestleMania, uh, which is kind of like a pay per view in itself. Um, boss man. The Hell in a Cell where he hung them. That was just weird. They both were heels, I believe. This the the, the, the corporate ministry versus the uh, the corporate ministry stuff, and just, it was that was just a weird, weird match. Um, didn't wrestle in 2000. Came back an injury. Um, actually, perfect question here. Which what pay per view did the Undertaker return in two thousand to become to debut his ABA character? Um, so he came back in one match with Triple H versus uh, at WrestleMania seventeen was fantastic. I was a big fan. I think it was probably one of my favorite uh, Taker WrestleMania matches. And then the next year after that was ten and zero against the Flair. I was a big fan of uh, that match too. Uh, Arn Anderson just. Planning that spine buster out of nowhere. I was a big fan of that match too. And then uh, on a on an unfortunate low note, A Train and Big Show at 19. Well, that match was less than 10 minutes, and just 
oh, just terrible. Nathan Jones was supposed to be a part of it. So glad that he wasn't because it would have been a tag match and it was just messed up. That was just all types of craziness going on that uh, that year with Taker and his uh, and, and Mania spot. So that was really odd. Uh, good job, Judgment Day. Judgment Day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 358 episodes in the books. Big, 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 big thanks to Ken Anderson. Anderson for being on the show tonight. Fantastic show. Thank you so much for watching, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for the PNP Nation. Join the Patreon, ladies and gentlemen. You see that? Patreon. If you want all these weekly interviews, these live Q&As, support the show. You see how much work I put in the show Please uh, show me the favor of your thanks by just giving, you know, it's a very small donation. Thank you so much and join the Patreon to support the show. All right. Thanks so much, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks to everybody who's saying good show right now. Appreciate you being on the show with us. Uh, WrestleMania uh, 15. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, all right. Thanks a lot. A lot of, thanks a lot, everyone. 350 episodes. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, I am Chris Featherstone. Enjoy your week of wrestling. God bless. And always remember, I do it for you. Have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. Bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.